What's up, party people? Happy Victory Monday to you all. This is Tommy. Thanks for tuning in to the Holy City Hoops podcast. The Charleston Cougars went 1-0 and on what ended up being a pretty quiet week in college hoops. CFC only played the one game, but they get the W over Elon. Our pal Ryan Teichler, a.k.a. Coogie Monster, joined the podcast right after that game ended. We're going to talk about the Cougars hanging on for a victory, the big game from John Meeks, a nice performance from Ben Burnham. And then since there's not too much to look back on this week with all the COVID cancellations, we're going to look ahead a little bit. We've got some news on some of those postponed games, when those have been rescheduled to. We're going to chat about how that may actually work in Charleston's favor a little bit. But mostly on today's show, you're going to hear me and Ryan right after the victory over Elon. Kind of like a post-game show. We're going to be digesting what happened in real time. I'm sure a lot of you felt the same way after this game. Ended up being a complete nail-biter. But such is life in the CAA. And at the end of the day, all that matters is that dub. I'll keep today's intro short and sweet. We got lots to get to. All coming up next on the Holy City Hoops podcast. Let's go. All right, everyone. Ryan Teichler is in the house. The Elon game just wrapped up a few minutes ago. Ryan, how's your perspiration level? Uh, a little bit spitzy, I'd say. <laughs> a little bit of saturation there? Yeah, man. Uh, what was it? Up 15 with a few minutes to play, and then everything gets clinched. Whew. Well... Cougars end up winning this one. They go wire to wire, but that certainly does not tell the story of the game. They never trail in this one. They win 65-61, so a double possession victory. But man, that got close down the stretch. As you mentioned, Cougars were up 15 with five minutes to go, but they hang on for the victory, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. First CAA win for the Cougs, so that's got to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly beats a loss. And like you said, they technically led wire to wire um but to me when i was watching this game all i could think about was earl grant um, <laughs> they won this game playing defense and rebounding and not turning the ball over which is yep. all earl grant preached but um certainly wasn't the prettiest basketball game i've ever seen tommy yeah kind of a throwback to i think everett mentioned this on the broadcast homecoming when i was in school about 10 years ago when Elon Elon was up on Charleston, something like 35 to eight at halftime or something. Elon just had a miserable start to this game. They had three points the first 11 minutes of the contest. But conversely, Charleston probably should have been up 20, 25, and they were only up 13. The, the most they ever got up was 13 points. They had their own offensive struggles. Neither team could really get anything going. That's probably due to... The COVID pauses, the long delays in between games, it seemed like took the majority of the first half just for some some shots to start falling. Yeah, I mean, just to start off the game, I have a note here, 14-3 at the 10-minute mark. Um, and I put this out on Twitter. The good news is we held them to three points. The bad news is we're only up 11. And right. you know as well as I do, this is a game of runs. And I was thinking the exact same thing you were, is we should be up 22 at this point. You know they're going to make a run. You know even if they hit two threes, they're right back in the game. And sure enough, they were. Uh, I think the the half ended, what, six or seven-point lead for the Cougs? Cougs were up six of the half, yep. Yeah, up six of the half. But you just knew they were going to make that run. And us being cold as well 
didn't bode great, but hats off to the defense. I thought the defense in the first seven minutes was absolutely spectacular. It was obviously a combination of, of Elon missing shots too, but that doesn't just happen by itself. Elon's got some shooters. I thought we played really, really solid defense. So you're telling me you did not expect Elon to score 24 points for the game as they were on pace to do? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> the defense was really, really solid. I think Elon only averages 13 turnovers per game. They turned it over 11 times in the first half. Charleston, to their credit, was closing out on guys. They were forcing errant passes. They were contesting threes. Elon shoots a ton of threes. I think they started the game 0 for whatever, 0 for 8 probably. But you're right that Charleston never really stretched it out. And then Elon makes like their free throws. They make like four free throws in a row and then they hit two threes and they're right back in the game. Charleston on the optimistic side, really, I think what what this game came down to is unlike the Delaware game, we saw a lot more even scoring in this one. So not only did you have a really solid defense, but you had John Meeks once again leading the way. He has... 19 points and seven rebounds, but also you go down the scoreboard, Underwood 14 points, Burnham 12 points. We got to talk about Benny Burnham. He had a great game. Loved this game. Yep. Fi had seven points. Tucker had six points. Horton had five points. That was not the case in that Delaware loss. Much more even scoring. You still have Meeks as the the center point, but all those guys chipped in a little bit. Everyone who played pretty much chipped in a, a couple baskets. Yeah, I think getting Meeks back really changes this team. He's a guy, I love his game. It's it's really refined. It's a complete game. And he's one of the few people at this level that can score with his back to the basket in a variety of ways. Um, and it really opens up the offense for us. So I thought he played an excellent game under control. That fifth-year senior, calm, cool, collected, really helped us. Did you see that shot in, in two-thirds of the way through the second half? where he spins over his left shoulder on the baseline for a, a fadeaway three. I mean, a fadeaway two. He is a difficult shot maker. That That is, like, you cannot <laughs> guard that shot. It was unbelievable. And he made a couple really um, clever moves inside to finish. So I think having him, having that presence really helps. But again, the other guy that I would say is Benny Burnham. I thought he was active. I thought he played good defense, rebounded the ball. Uh, and what he finished with 13 finished with 12 12 okay yeah I thought he had a great game too and he might have played the best defense on McIntosh I thought I, I thought he yeah he was everywhere he had two blocks he had multiple deflections Benny's looking like he might win rookie of the week I don't know if anybody else played two games this week which would only be the only thing that like put somebody over him for rookie of the week but really nice game for Benny especially because he was pretty quiet in that in that opener but going back to Meeks, he was like a man possessed to start the game. I don't know what it was. I, my theory is, I think Meeks is from Burlington, North Carolina. Maybe he wanted to like really show Elon that, hey, I was in your backyard and you didn't even offer me a scholarship because he was like out for blood in the, in the first half. I don't know what got into him. We were listening to Pat Kelsey post game and he was like, yeah, we wanted to get John going early, but almost maybe a little too over aggressive. He had like tunnel vision on a couple of those possessions when he was just letting it fly but oh yeah he let it fly early you're right but charleston needed that kind of production and you're exactly right he just adds a different dimension to the offense when he's humming like he was today so charleston needed every basket from him and he came through big yeah the the other guys i would say i thought Fi had a good game 
And I know it doesn't, he doesn't show up a whole lot in the box score, but I thought Ray, to me, Ray looks like, Raekwon Horton looks like a different player. He looks confident. He looks like he's in the flow of the game. It doesn't look too big to him. Where it kind of looked like that coming, you know, uh, starting the season as a freshman, had a little bit of deer in the headlights. But I really like how he's come along, and I thought he played pretty well today too. Yeah, he and Fi, two yeah. true freshmen, played awesome. And we need that. They need to build on that. Yeah, Raekwon Horton, ever since he made that first three, I think, and like the lid finally came off the basket for him, he's looked a lot more composed, a lot more in control. And now he's not afraid to shoot it. He made a three in this game, had some nice drives. Fi made a couple difficult shots, almost brought the roof off TD Arena with a putback dunk. That would have been awesome. But yeah, he showed a little bit of what we saw earlier in the season that we haven't seen lately uh, from Babakar Fi. And he hit a three. How about that? Yeah, I could believe that his, first, his first three of the year. Yeah, I'm not sure we want that shot in the future, but it went in. <laughs> yeah, looked looked good on the release. The even scoring, I, I thought, really came up huge in this one. Um, and they needed every single one of them because that that closing stretch was, was not pretty. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to talk about Rain Smith. Um, we gave Rain a ton of credit earlier in the year. He has definitely hit the freshman wall. There are defenders glued to him nonstop in games now. I don't think he's totally pressing, but he's just not getting the open looks that he did the first, you know, five games of the year. Defenses are are really, really keyed in on him. And in a game like this where both teams got hot from three at various points, it was kind of bizarre that Rain was not cashing in on that. Um, So he goes 0 for 5, only got one shot up in the second half, finishes with two points off free throws. What do you think's going on with Rain Smith? Yeah, I was worried about hitting the freshman wall too with him. And because he's primarily a jump shooter, you worry about the mechanics slipping, you worry about the footwork, the lift. But to me, it all looks good. Like the process looks good. He's just missing it. So I don't know if that's maybe legs, maybe teams are closing out on him a bit quicker than they were before. You know, when you start that hot and no one knows who you are coming from Australia, maybe you can take teams off guard and and now that's not the case but it still looks good i mean the the shot looks good i like the shots that he's taking so i'm not sure what it is um yeah i'm hoping maybe it's just just a rut rather than they haven't figured out probably a combination of both he's not getting like those in rhythm spot up threes that he had before he's getting he's being forced to kind of move with the ball a little bit work around a screen like curl around the outside of a screen and shoot it or he he's been forced to take a couple of these kind of bailout threes where the offense isn't really doing anything they kick it out to rain the good thing for rain is he's got plenty of time to turn it around you know we're two games into conference play plenty of time for rain to refine his rhythm and for the team to adjust and, and get him some shots uh one thing we didn't mention here was the starting lineup rain was not in it so maybe that's pat kelsey trying to mix things up get rain in rhythm off the bench maybe coming off the bench there's a little less pressure for rain and he can kind of do his thing but he picked he was in foul trouble the whole game I don't think he ever really got into rhythm so we'll see I think we all see the potential with rain as well as these other freshmen and there's going to be ups and downs in the season so just hope rain can uh can turn around soon because he seems to be a, a guy who 
thrives off streaks. And when he's hot, he's he's really hot. I still don't mind when he lines it up and lets it fly, though. I still got a lot of confidence uh, in that young man. But th- that's what you get with freshmen, right? Benny Burnham was a little bit quiet earlier uh, in the last couple couple uh, games. And now it seems kind of it's ebbing and flowing to, to Smith. So you, you live with freshmen, you die with freshmen. Yep. And Brendan Tucker had a quiet game. You know, Tucker was another guy in foul trouble. Thanks a lot, TV Ted Valentine, by the way. Yeah, was, some of those were pretty tick on the whistle. Man. I mean, the one that they reviewed in the first half when they changed the rule and foul on Tucker, he got popped in the face. Like, I just happened to be watching when when he got the call, and they, they go to the monitor, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, they're obviously going to confirm that Brendan Tucker took an elbow to the nose. Nope, turned it over and gave it to Tucker. I think that was his third foul in the first half. But, again, to Charleston's credit, Two of your top three scores, Tucker and Smith, have really off games, and you still find a way to win. So that's a positive for sure. Yeah, and just circling back to the, some of the freshmen that we, we talked about earlier, if we go through the stat lines with Benny, Baba, Raekwon Horton, they played 21, 22, and 13 minutes. Do you know how many turnovers they had combined? I do not. I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Zero. I like that. Love it. I like it. that a lot. Yeah. They CFC finished with 13 turnovers, which I really think that was kind of the difference in the game, even yeah, though they got good. a bit sloppy down the stretch. Um, 13 is about, I think, the right number for this team. They've kind of righted the ship on that. I mean, remember how big of an issue that was the second or really all of non-conference play. But lately, they've they've been getting it under 15. They had no assists in this game. Charleston, I think, had, as a team, only had five assists to those 13 turnovers. A lot of that was Meeks going one-on-one and and Tucker going one-on-one and Underwood, you know, taking it upon himself to get into the paint. But the massive turnover issues, which reared their head in the Stetson game and the Furman game and games like that, Oklahoma State for sure, seem to have been corrected, which I find encouraging. Gotta, we gotta stop fouling as much, but turnovers, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic as well, but I rewatched that the end of the Delaware game why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm a sadist. We'll hold our breath on that. How about that? Right. On Elon's side, it was the Hunter McIntosh show, right? He has 22 of Elon's 61 points. I think for a vast majority of the game, he had over 50% of their points because they got really nothing from the rest of the team. Just two points from the bench for Elon. So really, it was Hunter McIntosh. And he, he showed out five for 12 from three, really lit it up from outside. Uh, six for 17 overall, played 38 minutes. I thought he was going to get the final shot. I think he, I think that was actually the, the plan. I think Burford, before he slipped, was going to kick it out to, to McIntosh. But luckily, he did not get 25 points or something like that. Yeah, he's smooth. And um, after Elon started so slow, you knew they were going to get the ball into his hands and he hit two threes to kind of take the lid off the off the rim. But there's a reason he was preseason first team all CAA. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've we've known about him since his freshman year. This kid can really play, can really shoot it. He's got good handles. He he showed out. I'm a bit I know we've talked about this Elon team for years, so I always think they're gonna be better. But to me, this is the second time I've seen him this year. To me, they just look a step slow. I don't know if you're seeing that too. Um, but it, it something just doesn't look right about this the elon team that i thought we'd see yeah i always picked them to be a dark horse and they still might be but they looked terrible in non-conference play but they played this brutally 
difficult schedule, so it's hard to, to kind of gauge anything from that. Then they blow out Northeastern. Northeastern was down a bunch of players, but Northeastern's now 0-3. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, though, especially that opening stretch when they couldn't get anything going and they were turning the ball over, throwing it six feet over guys' heads. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this Elon team's going to be as good as we think they are. But they always just... I think people always put stock in the young players coming back for another consecutive year, but I agree with you. They're, they haven't taken the step in, a, in like a linear fashion that you had expected, but again, plenty of, plenty of season to play. Yeah. And they got um, two points off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah not two. great. Not great. Not great. Well, to their credit, they did make this game into a nail biter. Charleston was up 15 with five minutes to go. As we said, Let's talk about the meltdown that almost was, but ended up not not being. Uh, so with five minutes to go, Elon cut it to 10 with 4.07 to play. That's after the Graham uh, slam. They're up five with 2.37 to play. Charleston is just leaking possessions. Elon is making their free throws. They're making shots. I don't know what Charleston's half-court execution was late. It was like a bad Meeks three, then another bad Meeks three, then a bad Tucker three. Not even trying to go to the basket. I'm like, why not even just try to, to get to the rim? Finally, Underwood kind of turns it around and, and takes it upon himself, but then he misses the front end of a one-on-one. OC fouls somebody. They go the other way, and then it's a, a one-possession game, the final, what, two minutes, something like that? I saw some uh, forced possessions, the, the one that I've noted, and you haven't even got to it yet, was with 40 seconds left, we were up two uh, or one to try to ice it. It was an ISO play to Underwood, who just dribbled, 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 attacks the rim, basically turns it over, but it was tipped to Meeks, and then Meeks had to launch a contested three. I, that cannot be the play call. I don't know what in the world was going on. But they, yeah, just really sloppy execution down the stretch. It seems like they don't run their offense when things get tight. It's kind of hero ball. You know, it's Meeks, go make a play, or Underwood, go make a play. And we listen to the post game, and Kelsey is still adamant about, hey, we're going to Meeks in the clutch. Is that the best strategy? Like, <laughs> I mean, Meeks, he missed the game, the potential game winner against Chattanooga. Underwood tips it in. He gets stripped in that Delaware game. And then he goes, I think, 0 for 2 or 0 for 3 down the stretch of this one. Hey, I want Meeks taking the shots. I really want things to to fall his way as well. But I I just want maybe a little bit more ball movement late in games. Do you, am I am I overreacting or what no? 100. percent There's there's too much ISO ball, and there's no real like any backdoor sets in this offense. There's no real slip screens that I've seen. It's more of a motion offense, kind of sometimes getting or trying to get rain off of a um, off of a screen for a set mm-hmm. three, but there's nothing really attacking the basket that I can tell other than iso ball or trying to get it down inside to Meeks, and then Meeks plays back to the basket, inviting a double team. Yeah, yeah, and this is something I know you wanted to t- touch on later, but. I mean, the ball is certainly not going to O.C. Smart. It is certainly not going to Charles Lampton. It's probably not going to Ben Burnham or Babacar Fai. It's definitely not going to Raekwon Horton. And Smith is covered. <laughs> so it's going right. to be so it's gonna be either Meeks or Underwood 
going one-on-one, I think. There's there's not going to be a pick and roll. There's not going to be a pick and pop. There's not going to be a post up. So that that is limiting for your offense. And I, I think that's one of the the learning curves that Charleston's working their way through. And this is kind of the result of having so many young guys is I, th- I think they, they need to learn to play a little more of their game late in games, the same as they do at the beginning of games. Yeah, 100%. It just seems, yeah, I don't know where the breakdown is, but it just seems to be iso ball. So Charleston does dodge the bullet. Darius Burford has the ball coming out of a timeout with a few seconds to play. Elon at this point is ripped off a 15-2 to run. They have a chance to win the game, and he slips. They don't get the shot up. Underwood gets fouled, sinks two free throws. Credit to him. He iced the game, and bullet dodged. But Charleston does get the victory. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Home teams have been absolutely dominating the CAA so far, and Charleston was the only team to have dropped one to this point. But they get the win, and we can all breathe a sigh of relief. Hey, a win is a win is a win. A win is a win. Anything else from this one you got? No, I think that about does it. I actually slightly felt bad for Burford slipping there. Uh, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age, but that hurts if you're an Elon fan, but yeah. we've had our hearts ripped out from similar plays already this season. So Elon fans, you're just going to have to get used to the, uh, the heartbreak and the ecstasy of victory. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, we were chatting before we hit record and I wanted to bring with, bring this up with you when we're, when we're uh, having the pod for the people um, is how do you handicap this team somewhat halfway through the season here? Because I still have my hands up in the shruggy face uh, emoji pose, um, <laughs> even for the whole CAA. There's parts of this uh, of the season, there's parts of games where I watch, and I'm super high on this team, and I think they're a tournament team a la um, large stretches of UNC, the second two-lane game, going to UNC Chattanooga and beating them on their floor. And then there's other parts of this year, Stetson, Oklahoma State, where I see things that I just can't unsee, and I think it could be a fatal flaw. So my question to you, even though you're the podcast host, is how do you, where do you think this team is somewhat halfway through the season? I think what we're seeing is just the volatility of a team that only has two returning players. Like, we knew there was going to be a ton of ups and downs. The team is kind of a, a patchwork of different guys. I think there, there's a lot of talent on the team, which is why I think they're going to be competitive in the CAA. But you are going to see, you know, these great runs like against SC State and against North Carolina, where it looks like everything is clicking and everybody has got a handle on what Pat Kelsey wants to do. And then there's other stretches where it's like, oh, yeah, these guys have like literally never run a practice together before a couple of months ago. And the team's young, such a young team, second youngest or youngest in the CAA, one of the youngest in the country, even with multiple fifth year and sixth year guys. I do think it's, you know, my biggest concern, I've I've noted this on the pod before, is for a team that wants to run fast and shoot threes, they don't seem to have a lot of fast players and good shooters, (laughs) right? Right. Rain, Rain Smith is a sniper, but he's been cold the past couple weeks. John Meeks can shoot it. Tucker can shoot it when he's at home. We, we still need the consistency on the road. But Underwood is definitely not a shooter. Fye is definitely not a shooter. Lampton and Smart are definitely not shooters. Benny can kind of shoot it, but 
you know, limited limited possessions. We'll see what we can get from a guy like Farrar. Evdomikov, we don't know if he's a shooter or not. Uh, who am I Who am I missing down the Horton, not a shooter. So it's just a, a lot of guys who... I don't know if they're, the pieces fit exactly what we need, and that's no fault of Kelsey, who had to rebuild the roster from scratch, right? So I think guys like Underwood do stuff that nobody else on the team can do and and everybody has value but i don't know if the pieces fit exactly am i making sense yeah yeah totally like when's the when's the last time you saw like a fast break where the big was running with a guard and the guard dropped off the pass and it led to a dunk like for a team that has the fastest tempo in the league the i don't think they're the most effective transition offense you know like little things like that where it's just like the the pieces don't totally fit that was actually going to kind of bring me to my synopsis. And, and that's kind of simply, we've been spoiled by excellent lead guard play for the last entirety of you know, the Earl Grant era, starting with Joe and, and all the way to Zepp. And then between that, you had Marquise, who was a great backup point guard. And then you had Grant Riller playing a combo in between. It, that doesn't get any better at, at the mid-major level. And so to kind of to have a step back from the lead guard play, I think that's what I'm seeing that I'm like, eee, I don't know. Because um, I think that contributes to the turnovers. There's some wacky decision-making down the stretch, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might just be because we've had it so good, and now it's kind of come back to to a medium level. I think that's fair. And it's not to say that they're not going to get there. Like, Babakar Fai is a very interesting piece. And just because he's not effective right now as a true freshman doesn't mean I don't want him on the team. Same with Benny and Horton and all those guys. Even the older guys. Like, John Meeks has been as advertised. He's been pretty awesome, all, all things considered. So I still think the talent is good enough to compete in the CAA. And I think the CAA is pretty good. You know, I, I mentioned this on the last pod. It's the best it's been since 2016, which is when UNCW and Charleston and Northeastern and Hofstra were all really, really solid. I think it's going to be solid once again. I think if the CAA was as bad as it was last year or two years ago, Charleston would be in, in better position. I just think it's a credit to the league that everyone's kind of gotten better. And all those teams got better by returning. Most of those teams got better by returning really good talent. And Charleston has all new pieces. And I think that's why you're seeing that volatility. Uh, you, you're probably right. You, the, the moving pieces are still kind of moving, right? How many games yeah. they played? With, is it 13? I'm not good at math. Uh, 15, <laughs> uh, 14, sorry. So, yeah, you know, uh, I think you're right. I think w- with that many newcomers, all of them are being young. We'll see. The, the other thing that, that I wanted to, to bring up is some of the lineup combinations and I thought at this point of the year, Pat Kelsey would have tightened that those up. But it seems that he's just going to roll with it all year, which uh, a bit weird to me. I think that might just be his style. Like I mentioned on the pod last time, the most consistent five-man lineup was only playing like 7% of the minutes. So I think he just goes deep into his bench in general. And that might be another reason why there's some inconsistency is guys have different roles depending on what lineup they're in or depending on, on the game. I mean, we had three guys with four fouls today, so we saw some 
some weird lineups. We saw a jumbo starting lineup with Ben Burnham at the three. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's found his guys yet, but I do also think he goes much deeper into the bench and experiments with lineups way more than than Earl Grant did. He's the mad scientist out there. I love it. Yeah, and some yeah, sometimes it looks great, and sometimes it sometimes you're like, who's going to do the scoring in this lineup? How are we going to? Okay. And in some lineups, it's the question is who's going to play point guard? Yeah, saw Rain Smith the point a couple times today with uh, with Nikita and Jordan both out. So talents there, consistency's got to follow. But this is year one, new coach, brand new roster doesn't happen often in college basketball, and I, I still think they've done better than I probably expected at the beginning of the year. So that's that's my grade for the uh, the half boy point of the season. Yeah, my grade on Pat Kelsey is an A minus. I, I like where this team's at. I like how tough they are. Like we just talked about, the pieces haven't all fallen into place yet. But off the court, you got to give Kelsey an A plus with, with kind of what he's oh, yeah. done to revitalize the fan base and get butts and seats. So, I, I mean, I'm all in on Kelsey. I love it. All right, well, let's talk about what the Cougars have coming up. Next week is another light week. Just one game, William & Mary, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. The UNCW game at home is not until next Monday. And like I said at the top, Charleston's just got to save acorns for winter. You know, they've got four straight home games to start the, the conference season. They drop their first one to Delaware. They get the win today. They're playing bottom feeders. William & Mary, I know, is 2-0, and but they're picked at the bottom of the conference. UNCW was picked ninth. You just got to get these wins at home where you can get them any way possible, like today. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have to beat William & Mary. I'm shocked they're 2-0. Coming into conference play, it wasn't like they were snake bit or played some sort of ridiculously good schedule. They were getting smoked by mediocre teams, like every week. Um, so for them to be 2-0 is just crazy. Yeah, well, that's what that's what playing at home gets you. It gets you a lot of confidence. And, and a, a team like that, you're like, oh, we're, records are 0-0. Zero and zero. We're in conference play now, baby. They are weirdly good at Kaplan. They have always historically Ugh. been good there. Ugh. And then Wilmington, I haven't seen them play yet. But yeah, you, we have to squirrel that nut at home here. Well, I'll get both those teams. And then I wanted to, to bring this up. We did get some of those postponed games rescheduled. Uh, so we already knew that the Drexel home game, which was supposed to be Charleston's season opener, issues with COVID at Drexel, that didn't happen. That's been moved to Valentine's Day, February 14th. And then we got news this week that the game at Northeastern up in Boston was moved to February 22nd. The Hofstra road game has not been rescheduled yet, but what does that all mean? Charleston will now end the season with three games a week, the final two weeks of the season. So you normally you play Thursday, Saturday. The Drexel game, I think, is going to be on a Tuesday, and the Northeastern game, I think, is a Monday. Weirdly, now the schedule has become pretty backloaded. So the Cougars are going to go into March Madness with six games in two weeks, which is a lot. I don't know why you would not try to spread those out a little bit. I mean, it takes two to tango and you have to arrange it with the other school, but Charleston's going to have to use their depth late in the season uh, because they are going to be playing a lot of games. But if Dalton Boland's recovery is still what we expected, which was that he would be back in mid-February, the Cougars would have him for six games, which in conference play is actually pretty clutch. You know, this is all depending on him coming back and being effective. But remember, he was averaging nine points a game before he got hurt. He's He gives them another guard, another ball handler, and another shooter for sure. 
So maybe it's uh, a little bit of a blessing in disguise if Charleston can get another body uh, for those last six games. What do you think? Big energy guy, too. Oh, yeah. Psycho D. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. it's a double-edged sword, right? You're worried about legs holding up, playing that condensed of a schedule. But you also look at just how deep the roster is and, and how quickly the rotation is, you know, the hockey line rotation. That has to benefit us. Because uh, we're not the only CAA team in this predicament. Everyone's going to have this tightened schedule toward the end of the year. I, I think it, that has to benefit the deeper team that plays um, a quicker rotation. Well, that's that's something to monitor. So we still need to hear when the Hofstra game is going to be. But regardless of Northeastern's record, they're always at that Northeastern road trip is always tough, right? For Charleston, to, the southernmost team to go up to Boston and New York. It's just a grind. Those teams are consistently good. They're well coached. And Charleston's now going to be ending the season with those types of games. They're going to be ending the season with Drexel and Northeastern and Hofstra teams that were picked at the top. So once again, got to get the wins where you can get them, store some some victories because going on the road is going to be tough, even if it's against a bad team like William and Mary. And as we saw today, even a home game is not a, a done deal. And, and uh, going back to the schedule, what you just talked about is assuming no other games get canceled. We should we could see yep. this whole thing um, getting thrown in the air, tossed around, and then a new schedule comes out later. Yeah. So we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. What's well, another point? If if it gets to the point where the CAA can't fit any more games, you're gonna definitely want to have played those bad teams at home and, and racked up some victories, right? Yeah, it's a good point. I, that's that's certainly possible. Well, Ryan, anything else you want to leave us with before we get out of here? No, I think that about covers it. What we got, William and Mary coming up on Tuesday. Let's hope we roll them. Are the students back then? Because uh, it'd be cool to see They're TD back. Arena rocking, rocking for that one. Students are back. Students are should all be back uh, on campus now. They will be masked, but they will be in attendance. Cool. It'll be fun to see CFC, uh, TD rocking. Love it. Love it. Well, Ryan, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate you hopping on here right after the game finished. Cougar victory. Great way to start the week. All is well. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Yep, you got it, buddy. Good talking to you.